0: Match Chat is brought to you by Walters. Come check out musician Matt Waller Live at Walters on Saturday, August 20th.
1: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
2: Two balls, two strikes, two outs, tying run at second. The hold at the belt. Here's the kick and the pitch. Swing and a miss. He struck him out. Slider off the outside and Gray excitedly hopping across the foul line on his way back to the dugout. Strikeout number 10, third time this season, fourth time in his career, and he is fired up to do it. Now the pitch. Swing and a long drive. Deep left center field. Way back.
3: It is caught. Red seats in left center field. A line shot. Home run for Nelson Cruz. He has given the Nationals the lead in this game with home run number 458. It's the Nationals five and the Cubs four. Finnegan ready. One ball, one strike to pitch. Swinging a ground ball to the left side. Two is left to get it, Abrams. The throw to first and a curly W is in the books. C.J. Abrams in his Nationals
0: debut makes the first play of the game and the final play of the game. And welcome to Nats Chat for Tuesday, August 16th, 2022, along with MassInSports.com Nationals insider Mark Zuckerman, who is at Nationals Park. I'm Al Galdi, host of the Al Galdi podcast. The Nationals on Monday night won game one of a series for the first time since July 25th. Who says that our Nats can't get off to good starts in series anymore? A 5-4 win over the Chicago Cubs in game one of a three-game series at Nationals Park. Nats now are a major league worst, 39-78 and on the season. There is so much to get to from our Nats Monday, but before we dive headfirst into everything, we do want to share with you this special message from the mastermind of the Nats Chat Podcast, Tim Shovers.
4: Hey, Nat Chat listeners, this is Tim Shovers, producer of the podcast. I want to thank all of you for your support throughout this rather difficult season for the Nationals. Last few weeks, we've seen a record amount of downloads and engagements, so really humbled by that. Thanks to all of you. If you were listening last year, you might remember this. We do have, towards the end of the season, a donation option to help out the production cost with the podcast as you can imagine if you want to do this right over the course of 162 games the costs they can add up just a little bit here and there so uh, some extra support would be very much appreciated if you do want to donate you can go to our website that has the merchandise and our t-shirt options that's site. again natschatpodcast.square.site. you'll see the donate now button Bunch of options there ranging from $5 to $47. You can also choose your own amount if you prefer. If you want to put $1,846 in honor of Ryan Zerman's career hits, we're not going to stop you. But uh, this is not something we're going to mention again on the podcast in the content of the show. Might have an ad here or there throughout the rest of the year, but we're not going to bang this over your head. Again, thanks to all of you. am going to hand it back to Alan Mark so you can hear more about Josiah Gray, Nelson Cruz, and CJ Abrams. But again, one last time, that's NatsChatPodcast.Square.Site. Hit the Donate Now button, and uh, we go from there. Thanks to all of you. Now back to the show.
0: All right, Tim. Appreciate that. And how about what happened with the Nats on Monday? On a day that was supposed to be all about the Nats Major League debut of C.J. Abrams, who was in his age 21 season, in a game that in so many ways became about the onions that were on display from Josiah Gray, he in his age 24 season, who ended up being maybe slash probably the Nats' biggest hero of the game, designated hitter Nelson Cruz in his age 41 season. The old man, Grandpa, homered and had a big double in the game. Mark, we should never say that the baseball gods do not have a sense of humor.
5: As Nelson pointed out, Al, afterwards, C.J. Abrams could literally be his son. He's twice as old as C.J. Abrams, 42 to 21. But you know what? We're a couple of 40-year-olds. We can appreciate what it means for guys at our age, close to it, to still show they've got a little pop in the bat. It's been a rough year for Nelson Cruz, of course. But he still got it. Every once in a while, he's got it in him, and that was a bomb. That was a legit home run to left center field. Also, the two run double earlier in the game. They were meaningful hits. He hadn't done that in a long time, but it was kind of a nice little reminder of, yes, we are talking about the future, and it's more important what Josiah Gray did, CJ Abrams, and all that. But you know what? There's still room for a 42 year old DH to have his little moment there, and so good for Nelson Cruz.
0: Well, the Nats were unable to trade him by August 2nd. So if he's going to still be on the ball club, he might as well produce. And he certainly did produce on Monday night. Much more on Nelson Cruz's night in a bit. We will certainly get to Josiah Gray's night in a bit. But yeah, Monday was C.J. Abrams Day, and it did happen. The Nats on Monday afternoon recalled shortstop CJ Abrams from Triple-A Rochester and the corresponding roster move was the Nats putting Luis Garcia on the 10-day injured list with a left groin strain. You know the deal by now with CJ Abrams. He was acquired from San Diego in the Juan Soto, Josh Bell trade on August 2nd. He per Baseball America is the number 11 prospect in baseball. Baseball America in fact, coming into the 2022 season, cited Abrams as being the best hitter in minor league baseball, and having the best speed in minor league baseball. Abrams on Monday night was the Nats' starting shortstop. He was the Nats' number seven banner. Didn't do much offensively, and there wasn't much really to sink your teeth into with him offensively. 0 for 4 with a strikeout, left two men on base. But the fascinating aspect of his night was the defense. First of all, the bat. Abrams in the top of the fourth, Pulled to Luis Garcia in committing a throwing error on a leadoff grounder by Franmil Reyes. This was a routine play, as we saw happen with Luis so many times. You know, the routine play becomes a difficult play. Abrams was charging in on a routine grounder, then made what I thought was a way too casual throw. Ended up being an errant throw to first base. The wind of the 1-1. Reyes with a punching ground ball
2: to short, charging in Abrams. He gloves on the run and throws high and throws it away. That one in the camera well or did it stay in play
0: but the range cj abrams has range and that was very much on display in a cubs one run seventh. so the first time it was on display was on actually a negative play for the nats abrams failed in an attempt at a diving stab of a Seiya suzuki grounder up the middle for a two-out game tying rbi single tied the game at four the ball went off abrams glove into center field however at least as best as i could tell on tv and you tell me if i'm wrong Abrams was in a shift toward third base, so that he even got to the baseball was impressive. Then for sure, Abrams' range really stood out on the final play, and that Cubs one-run 7th. The 0-1 with
2: a runner going from first is hit on the ground up the middle and Abrams has it to his left off balance throw to first the stretch by Voigt what a play he is out that looked like it might sneak through like the one hit by Suzuki but Abrams was able to stay on his feet ranging to his left and throwing across his body on the move to his left made a strong
0: throw. So a lot to take in with uh, CJ Abrams Mark uh, what did you make of his game number one as a nat at the major league level?
5: you can see the athleticism, Al. You can see why everybody is excited about him. You can also see that he's still raw. He's 21 years old. Hasn't, you know, we talk about he's played a little bit in the major leagues. He hasn't played that much in the minor leagues. He was just drafted in 2019. Remember, there was no minor league season in 2020. So, All things considered, he's probably here before developmentally he should be, but you're the Nationals in this situation. There's no reason not to have him here and have him play shortstop for the rest of the year, which is the plan. The range was outstanding going to his left. Davey Martinez commented on the angles that he takes being really good. That's a big part of that as well. And yeah, I agree on the one that was the hit. I think whoever else they've had there, whether it's Garcia, Alcides Escobar, chances are they don't even get a glove on that ball. That was not a play that was likely to be made. There was a chance, but it would have been a spectacular play to get to it. And then on the next one, almost an identical spot on the field. He does get to it and the throw to be able to not just get the ball, but then to have the strength and the accuracy to make what was not a comfortable throw. That's an awkward, moving in the wrong direction, don't have time to set your feet kind of throw. That told me a lot too. So I think they were impressed with all that. I think they also know like, let's not judge him on one game. Let's give him some time, get comfortable with this, see the full range of skills that he has. But you definitely saw a glimpse there of why the Nationals targeted him for this trade. And it's going to be exciting to see more of this. He's a tall, lanky, lean, athletic-looking kid. I mean, he is a kid at 21. There's a lot of growth to happen, both physically, mentally, everything else. But for first impression, I thought everything was fine. would have been nice to see him get a hit, get on base, see that speed, but no big deal. It didn't really cost them in this game.
0: Yeah, he's got skills. We certainly saw that on Monday night with Garcia on the 10-day IL with his left groin strain. Do we have any sense on is this going to be a lengthy stay or uh not so much? Not
5: a hundred percent sure yet they were still kind of trying to figure out, but the one good sign would be he's not totally shut down. He was actually out there on the field doing some work with one of the trainers before the game, so that would indicate that he's not looking at a you know six week long recovery anything like that so this could be shorter than that and when he does come back Davey Martinez said he's already talked to him about this he will be the second baseman that is the plan now moving forward Abrams at short Garcia at second probably best for everybody involved and you hope he gets back soon because you want to see as much of those two together and what they can do in the middle infield it may bring out the best in Garcia and i think obviously we see that there could be a lot of really good stuff to see from Abrams out there as well
0: Yeah. I mean, Garcia at shortstop was worth a shot. Shortstop matters more than second base. If you're in the midst of a season like this, you have a guy with the athleticism that Garcia possesses. Put him at shortstop and see what happens. It didn't work. Okay, fine. But I think what's interesting is this. So the numbers are really brutal for Garcia at shortstop this year, minus 15 defensive runs saved. He actually was plus two defensive runs saved at second base last year. So It may not just be that he can play second base. Maybe he actually is a good second baseman. And if Abrams is a good shortstop and you're strong up the middle, especially with Caber Ruiz, a catcher, that could be a nice uh, up the middle infield trifecta for the Nats for years to come. Do you think the Nats are like completely done with Luis Garcia at shortstop? Or do you think like if, say, next season, Abrams had to miss two weeks because of, you know, an ankle sprain or something, they would feel comfortable putting Garcia at shortstop? Like how done is the done with the Nats regarding Garcia at shortstop, do you think?
5: Yeah, that's a good question. If they needed somebody to actually replace him for any length of time, would they go back to him and say that that's a better option? I guess it depends on whoever their backup infielder is moving forward. If it's they bring back Ildamargo Vargas, if they you know find somebody else, if they get another Alcides Escobar, or maybe Cesar Hernandez is still going to be around in some capacity. I don't know. But yeah, I think it probably depends on that. My guess would be That Once they make this move, they want that to be a permanent move. They feel like that's best for Garcia. I wouldn't imagine he's going to take a lot of ground balls at short, but you also have to always be available in case of emergency if something did come up. I think the interesting thing would be if it's a short period of time, you'd sometimes will say, okay, we're going to go with the veteran backup, whoever that might be if God forbid Abrams had to miss a lot of time, that could be a different story. And you may now say, okay, we're not going to just stick a 35-year-old utility infielder as our everyday shortstop for two months. Go ahead and put Luis Garcia back there. But for now, I don't think they're thinking of those terms. They want these two working together on the field at those two positions and let's see what they can do. And we really want to get ahead of ourselves here. I was thinking to myself tonight, I'll be interested to see what they do at first base next year. Luke Voigt's still under contract, yes. Joey Manessis could be a thing. I do wonder if there might be some motivation on Mike Rizzo and Davey Martinez's part to go out and get a good defensive first baseman. I think it can make a big difference. When you have young infielders like that, you need to give them all the help they can get, can boost their confidence. If there's an Adam LaRoche-type guy, I'd be very intrigued by that if that is a move they would make this winter.
0: Yeah, I mean the Nats right now, and you you can't judge the roster right now because it's just a mess, and you're trying to piecemeal the rest of the season here. But you know, Voit is a defensive liability at first base. We saw with Manessis on Monday night; he's a liability in right field. You know, they're a bad defensive team to begin with, and they've made themselves worse with these trades. We understand that was going to happen. Nobody's going to complain about that now. But yeah, the defense is something you can maybe fix sooner than you can fix anything else with this team. And uh, if you can upgrade defensively, it's something worth considering this offseason. i tell you what else too with Garcia, and this is just kind of a random thought, but it really has made me further appreciate Danny Espinosa, who excelled defensively at both second base in shortstop. And I know he struggled offensively. I get it. But like, that is not easy to do at two important defensive positions, including a supremely important one in shortstop, that that guy wasn't just decent at each one, but was really good at each one. You could argue he was better at short than he was at second base. That's rare. And that the Nats had a guy like that. That, that was quite the luxury the Nats had with him defensively.
5: Such a luxury that as somebody who you know watches all these games and you're covering them and you go to write down in your scorebook the play. I never had to wait for the play to finish when it was Espinoza. I just started penciling it in, 4-3, 6-3, whatever it was. You didn't even have to worry about it. That's how good it was. And It just reminds you how if the guy could just have hit a little bit, he just didn't strike out so much. I think he really could have had a long and productive career, and he just could not do that offensively.
0: No, no, he just could not. Are you a law firm partner looking for a better situation for your practice and a blockbuster contract worthy of Joey Fourbags Menesis? If so, you should call Mason Kalfas of Zenith Legal in Washington, D.C. Works with law firms and lawyers on finding the perfect match. No platoons
2: Now, with Patrick Wisdom to the plate, a right-handed hitter, Davey Martinez is out of the dugout, and he's walking toward the mound, looking toward the bullpen. He has not made a signal yet, though. He's talking to Gray, who's covering his mouth with his glove as he nods his head, and Davey pats him on the chest and says, go get him, big fella.
0: Well, Josiah Gray on Monday night. Uh, as we had discussed with Josiah, it has been an up-and-down season. Uh, we'd like to say there has been more good than bad, and I do think that that is the case. Uh, But you know, lately, things haven't been going so well. Now, he was better in his last outing. We weren't quite sure what to expect on Monday night. And what we ended up getting was a good outing, but an outing that I think says a lot about him as a pitcher. So in this 5-4 win over the Cubs, he goes three runs in six innings. Uh, As we know, quality start technically, yes, translates to a 450 ERA. Also, yes, He also gave up two more home runs, and the home run problem remains a major issue with this guy. But also for Gray on Monday night, 10 strikeouts versus two walks as he was back to racking up the strikeouts. And, you know, 10 in six innings is just tremendous. And then there was how the outing ended. So Gray for the evening, 105 pitches, 67 strikes versus 38 balls. It was his last five pitches that were especially interesting. Davey Martinez in the top of the sixth with a runner on second, two outs, and Gray at exactly 100 pitches came to the mound. Davey left Gray in the game. Gray responded by recording his 10th strikeout of the game, a five-pitch swinging strikeout of Patrick Wisdom for the third out. Uh, the strikeout also, uh, interestingly, was Gray's 200th strikeout as in that. But, you know, you talk about doing like the Max Scherzer thing of ending on a high note and that was pretty impressive. And I don't know if Davey came to the mound knowing that he wasn't going to pull Gray or not, but he obviously left Gray in the game. And you talk about like responding to that, you know, rewarding your manager for keeping you in the game. It would have been hard to have scripted that to go much better than it did. Uh, hats off to Josiah Gray for really ending his outing with that exclamation mark.
5: It was his Max Scherzer moment, the first one that he's had like that. And what I can tell you is that Davey had been planning to do something like that. He'd been waiting for a moment to do that. He kind of hinted to us, I can't remember if after his last start or a few starts earlier, that he wanted to give him that opportunity at some point if the situation uh, was right. So he walked out there, never intending to pull him from the game. And Josiah sees him come up the steps and he's like, Davey, come on. And then he noticed he hadn't signaled for anyone. She thought, okay, maybe there's a shot here. And as soon as Davey got to the mound, he said, don't say a word. I'm not taking you out of this game. I'm giving you a chance to catch your breath go get this guy. I believe in you. Finish this inning. This is going to be big for you. And he responded exactly how you'd want to see. And you saw the emotion come out from Josiah Gray after the strikeout. A big yell, a hop off the mound. That meant something to him. And Davey afterwards called it a really significant growing moment for him. I know it's a miserable season and whether they won or lost this game didn't really matter in the big picture. That moment mattered. That's the kind of moment that ultimately is going to make Josiah Gray a better big league pitcher to see that his manager believes in him and then to go out and actually do it and finish strong like that. That's the kind of thing that's going to help him grow as a pitcher. And it's why, yeah, the three runs and he's still giving up the home runs. But you know what? He struck out 10. He completed six innings. We've got to remember this is his first full year. To me, there's still a lot better to come from him. And I think tonight was a big step in that direction.
0: Also, he was facing the Cubs for a second consecutive outing. And it's not like, you know, they had like a better read on him or anything like that. His previous outing was that 4-2 loss at the Cubs uh, last Wednesday afternoon. Two runs in six into third innings, five strikeouts versus no walks. He threw a lot of strikes in that game. 96 pitches, 64 strikes versus 32 balls. I mentioned the home runs. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know what else there is to say about this other than this can't continue. Uh, it does continue. Josiah Gray on Monday night gave up two more home runs. He in a top of the first in which he gave up two runs, gave up a two-out solo homer to Ian Happ to right field for a one nothing Cubs lead. And then Gray in the top of the fifth gave up a two-out solo homer to Ian Happ to the second deck in right field for a 3 nothing Cubs lead, 429 feet per stat cast. So the home runs allowed number now. For Josiah Gray for the season, a Major League Worst 31. He over his two Major League seasons, 2021 and 2022, over 189 innings, has allowed 50 home runs. I mean, think about that, 50 homers in 189 innings. Uh, Also, though, for Gray on Monday night were some interesting defensive moments, I thought. So in that top of the first in which he gave up the two runs, he gave up a two-out infield single to Seiya Suzuki, Despite what I thought was a really good defensive play by Ildemoro Vargas at third base, uh, Vargas made this nice sliding and spinning stab at the grounder and then made the throw to first. And I don't know what you saw at Nats Park on the replays that we saw on TV. It looked like Suzuki may well have been out. I was surprised Davey didn't challenge the play. Did Davey talk about that at all after the game?
5: No, we didn't get to that one because there were a lot of other stuff going on. But watching it live, I kind of thought the same thing. My eyes immediately went to the dugout to see, is he going to hold the hand up to the umpire? Hey, hang on. We want to look at this. And they didn't. Now, I don't know if that's because they saw a quick replay of it and said it was fine, or they just didn't think it mattered or didn't bother that stage early of the game like that. It was really close. And I would have liked to at least take another look at that and see. I thought it was a, a decent job by Voight to try to keep the foot on the bag and maybe even you know, the throw to beat him. But, but the problem is it wound up costing him because moments later it's what RBI triple for Fran Franmil Reyes off the right field wall. Uh, so maybe that inning could have turned out a whole lot differently. There, there was some Gray was helped by his defense at times. He was also hurt by his defense at times. And you know another one of these we talked about the other day. The outings, the final lines could look a lot different for some of these starters if the guys behind him just make a couple more plays that could have been made.
0: Yeah. And that RBI triple by Reyes was a play on which Joey Manessis, who was in right field, he like awkwardly fielded the ball while facing the wall. And then the ball ended up rolling a long way toward the infield. And it's kind of like, if you're going to try to make the play, make the play. And if not, then play it off the wall. And I guess he got caught in between or I don't know. It looked it looked really awkward. Like he's standing in front of the wall, almost like looking at the wall while the ball ricochets off the wall. Look, I mean, Manessis just got here. He's probably not an outfielder to begin with. You know, I don't even know if he's a first baseman to begin with. But that was a rough looking moment defensively.
5: Yeah, we got to remember he's not a full time outfielder. He is a first baseman who has played the outfield, and you know, (laughs) it's a reflection of the roster right now. So if Nelson Cruz is going to play and he contributed tonight, so give him credit for that. He has to DH. Well, if that's the case, now you want Luke Voigt in the lineup. Well, he's got to be at first base. He doesn't go anywhere else. Well, that only leaves one other spot for Manessas, and that's in the outfield. So, When you have three, you know, probably D.H.'s on your team, four if you want to count Yadiel Hernandez, somebody's got to play the corner outfield positions, and this is where they are. Not a clean play. He did get caught in kind of no man's land there, and unfortunately, Manessis didn't do anything at the plate to make up for that. One of the few times he hasn't really done much, the one hit to keep the hitting streak alive, but otherwise didn't really do anything for them at the plate.
0: Yeah, we're used to multi-hit outings from Joey Manessis. We did not have a multi-hit Manessis outing on Monday night. Hey guys, it's Al Galdi for Window Nation. It is time for Window Nation's back to school sale. And what a sale this is. Two free windows for every two windows that you buy, plus pay nothing with no interest until 2025. Visit windownation.com or call 866-90-NATION- and tell Window Nation that Al Galdi sent you. Window Nation windows are the best. Lower your energy bills. Raise the value of your home with new energy-efficient windows from Window Nation. Get an A-plus in savings by taking advantage of the back-to-school sale. Again, Two free windows for every two that you buy, plus pay nothing with no interest until 2025. Window Nation knows exactly what it's doing. The average Window Nation installer has over 16 years of experience with over 20,000 windows installed, and Window Nation offers a variety of windows. Over 1,500 custom window combinations are available, vinyl, wood, and fiberglass. Visit WindowNation.com or call 866-90NATION and tell Window Nation that Al Galdi sent you, and ask for the back to school sale, again, buy two windows, get two windows free on any style of new window from Window Nation. Plus, pay nothing until 2025. That's WindowNation.com or 86690Nation. WindowNation.com or 86690Nation, and tell Window Nation that Al Galdi sent ya.
3: The ground ball up the third base line, fair down the line, misses the side wall, rolls all the way into the corner scored. Rounding third. Behind him is Yadier Hernandez. He scores. And in the second with a career hit, number 2001. A two-out, two-run double down the
0: left field line for Nelson Cruz to give the Nationals the lead. We did have a multi-hit outing for Nelson Cruz. Nelson Cruz on Monday night, your starting DH, your number five batter for the Nats. Two for four with a big solo homer. And a two-run double, a guy who has struggled so mightily this season to hit for power, to rack up extra base hits, had two big extra base hits in this game. He in a Nats, four-run fifth, had a two-out, two-run double down the left field line for a 4-3 Nats lead. And then came the home run, a one-out, tie-breaking solo homer to center field for a 5-4 Nats lead, 396 feet per stat cast, This was Nelson Cruz's first home run since June 25th, okay? Let me just put this in context. Monday night was August 15th. Nelson Cruz's last homer had come on June 25th. This was just Cruz's ninth home run of the season. Everyone knows that he has had a bad season. I think it's so funny how baseball can work that on Monday night, he doesn't just do something like have the two-run double, which I think would have been like good enough for a lot of people. He has the two-run double, and then he has an even bigger home run in the game. It's crazy how these things can play out. But look, as bad as he's been this season, I know everyone loves the guy, and so everyone's happy for him to have a game like this. I mean, you talk about needing a performance like this. He needed this.
5: Yeah. Oh, he totally did. I mean, that game, that June 25th game, that was at Texas. Remember how long ago that was when the Nationals played the Rangers? Lots changed since then. We weren't even considering the possibility of Juan Soto being traded back then. That was a long time ago. And he had a good series that weekend against the Rangers. So maybe this portends a good series for him against the Cubs with the two big hits. I don't want a short to shortchange a double because that was big and it actually gave them the lead, capped a four-run rally for them. They wound up giving the run back and that was tied. So he needed the home run later on. And the home Home run, Like I said earlier, that was no cheapy. He hit a, a bullet to left center field to give them the, the lead for good. And, you know, he means something to those guys in the clubhouse. He does have value to them. They believe that. I know it's been frustrating for everybody. First and foremost, Nelly, because he has a high standard for himself, for him not to produce the way that they all thought he would this year but he's been good through it all. He doesn't complain about every anything. Like I said, been a good teammate behind the scenes. Everybody does love him. And if he's going to be here for the rest of the year, and if this is potentially the end of a great potentially Hall of Fame career, like we discussed the other night, you hope he can have a few more of these moments and, and enjoy these last uh, six weeks of the season.
0: Nats bullpen on Monday night got the job done. Uh, three Nats relievers combined to allow one run in three innings. Hunter Harvey, top of the seventh, Did give up a run on a double a walk and a single, but Carl Edwards Jr., a perfect top of the eighth with two strikeouts. Kyle Finnegan, a perfect top of the ninth for the save. This, I guess you would say, this is the A bullpen for the Nats right now, right? Harvey Edwards Finnegan. And we did see Kyle Finnegan in a ninth inning on Monday night. It feels like we don't see that so often these days. We saw that on Monday night.
5: And the matchup worked out to do that. He was going to get the nine, one, and two hitters. And then if anybody got on, Ian Happ, who was the Cubs' toughest hitter, in this game, but to Finnegan's credit, no drama in the ninth. One, two, three, strikeout, comebacker, six-three. That is nice to see because there have been at times this year, whether it was him, Edwards, whoever it is, there have been a few shaky but still successful outings. This one had no drama to it. Edwards also a one-two-three eighth. So I mean, that's nice. When you get the emotional high of you take the lead in the bottom of the eighth on a home run like that, and now okay, whoop, hey, we're we're three outs away from winning the game to be able just to clamp down and not even give the other team a chance at sniffing a comeback, I think that's significant.
0: Yeah, I mean, we have had so many lifeless and it feels like meaningless Nats losses this season. To have on Monday night, you know, a win, but a game in which you have true meaning, right? C.J. Abrams makes his Nats major league debut. You see what we saw from Josiah Gray you have Kyle Finnegan closing it out. You know, you can throw what Nelson Cruz did into the mix as well. Like, okay, it felt like there was purpose to this game. It felt like, hey, yeah, they won and that was nice. But like you had things happening in this game that felt meaningful, whereas, you know, so many of these games just have felt meaningless this season, not just because what the team does, but because of who's doing what the team does.
5: Yeah. And that's why you just hope there are as many nights as like this as possible. Over the rest of the season, whether that's Josiah Gray starts, whether it's C.J. Abrams at short, eventually Cade Cavalli pitching, hopefully Mackenzie Gore pitching, some Caber Ruiz moments as well. You just hope there are enough of these the rest of the way that you get to the end and you say, okay, we see where this could be going. We see the beginning of the foundation of the next team that's going to win here. They want to have as many of them here as possible, but they also understand They can't force that process to happen. It's going to happen naturally whenever they're ready. It's nice to see a few of them now up here making good on it.
0: You can email the podcast, NatsChatPodcast, at gmail.com. We got this email from Andrew on Monday night. He said, interesting stat that I just looked up about Josiah Gray. He has only had four games all season without a home run. And the last game in which he did not allow a home run was June 18th including tonight's game, talking about Monday night's game. He has allowed at least one home run in each of nine consecutive games. I just thought Mark and Dell may like to point this out in Tuesday's episode. Well, thank you, Andrew. We just pointed that out. Do you think with Josiah Gray, it is as simple as you cut down on the homers and he's where he needs to be? Or do you think it's not as simple as that?
5: Well, I think that's going to be hopefully the byproduct of the work they're going to do with him this winter on his mechanics. I think they believe that that the one leads to the other. When you have fastballs tailing back over the plate the way they do because of the thing with his front foot flying open and the shoulder flying open, I think they feel like that is taking the life off the fastball and making it a pitch that should be on the outside corner, say, to a right-handed hitter, instead come back in and tail over the plate and right into a guy's wheelhouse. So I think they believe that if they can really spend a good winter with him, correcting those mechanical flaws, get him comfortable throwing in a more straight line to the plate, that that should allow the fastball to have less movement like that, more life on it, and that in turn leads to fewer home runs. It may just be that he is a guy who gives up home runs, There have been very successful pitchers who do that. If you can limit the other damage, you can limit the walks, of course. We know he can be a strikeout pitcher. We've seen that for sure. I think a night like tonight shows you how close he could be to being very good. You eliminate those couple of big bombs and it's a totally different outlook and you're saying that was a really good start for him. And Let's remember, it's his first full big league season and you've already seen enough of these good moments to say there's something there. I don't think this is a guy who's destined to be a five ERA pitcher in the big leagues, but they got to work on the mechanic stuff and they believe that that's going to take place over the winter.
0: 10.42 strikeouts per nine innings now for Josiah Gray this season. That is lovely. I mean, that's terrific. You love seeing something like that. One more email here. Chris sent us this on uh, Monday afternoon. Uh, The title of the email, the subject of the email, suggested name for Mark's book on the the 2022 season. He says, Jesse Doherty called his book on the 2019 season buzzsaw. So my suggestion for the title of Mark's book on the 2022 season is Chainsaw, How Fielding Errors, a Lack of Offense, and No Pitching Shredded the Hopes and Dreams of Nats Nation. What do you think about that? Chainsaw. I kind of like that, Chris. Good job.
5: That could work. That's an appropriate description of what I think everyone wants to do <laughs> to the 2022 season. But I I hope everyone out there isn't really getting excited for this book because I can tell you I have not spent a second researching, writing, or doing anything for this. For some reason, Al seems to think I've been working on a book all year about the worst team in Nationals history. No, I'm busy enough with my regular job and with this job working with you every night to even contemplate doing something like that, let alone about a team that's going to lose 110 games.
0: Listen, people, keep the emails coming. We will speak (laughs) a Mark Stuckerman book on the Nats 2022 season into existence. Trust me on that. You tell us what you think about Mark's book or anything else. Uh, You can hit us up on Twitter at Nats underscore chat. You can email the podcast Nats chat podcast at gmail.com, including if you would like to sponsor the Nats Chat Podcast, hit up Tim Shover's again, Nats Chat Podcast at gmail.com. You can get yourself a Nats Chat Podcast t-shirt by going to Nats site. That's Nats site. Don't forget to subscribe to the Nats Chat Podcast, subscribing cost you nothing, and make sure that you never miss an episode. All Nationals radio highlights on Natch Chat are courtesy of 106.7 The Fan. For Mark Zuckerman, I'm Al Galdi, and we'll talk to you next time on the Natch Chat Podcast.
2: So Davey Martinez seldom makes those kind of visits. Whatever he said here was a special moment.
3: Your chance to get through this inning, let me see what you got at 100 pitches.